Stu, I, I want to thank you. Uh, it was the spa music that I, I think you brought to the table and the calming, soothing, no, no, we're not all screwed kind of sound of your voice that uh, stopped me from having an aneurysm. <laughs> I didn't think there was above a 30% chance you made it through that show, but you somehow did it. <laughs> That's Radio Hall of Fame worthy right there. Oh my gosh, I was losing my oh. mind. Uh, and you will too uh, when we share some of the things we shared on today's uh, podcast. But it's a great, great show. You don't want to miss a second of it. If you do have a heart condition, you might want to consider maybe passing this particular podcast. Brought to you by My Patriot Supply. Uh, hard to hard to know when an emergency is going to occur. You know whether it's something happening directly to you, something in your region, or something nationwide, or even global. It's kind of up in the air, unless it's a Boeing plane. In fact, the only guarantee is that bad things are going to happen in life. I mean, it just it's the way it is. Time to prepare is now, not after they happen. Get started preparing today with MyPatriotSupply.com. They can save you $200 on an essential three-month emergency food kit. Over the years, My Patriot Supply has helped millions of Americans prepare their families for emergencies. Yours should be next. Sealed inside the ultra-durable packaging, their delicious meals last up to 25 years in storage, provide over 2,000 calories a day. They have all of the tools so you are prepared. Eat right when things go wrong. Get $200 in savings right now at MyPatriotSupply.com. Order by 3 p.m. Get free same-day shipping. MyPatriotSupply.com. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck Program. Stansbury, and, uh, and, and I want you to listen to this. A year ago, we published a dire warning about a mega cap American, American stock. This was the only mega cap stock we told investors to avoid. It's no ordinary business. It's America's most strategically important country, a company. Listen to that. America's most strategically important company. We said it would soon collapse. On January 27th, 2023, the headline was, coming soon, the Boeing collapse. How did we know? Well, for the last 20 years, there hasn't been a company in America that has embraced more bad ideas from financial engineering to ESG than Boeing. In 1997, Boeing merged with fellow aerospace manufacturer McDonnell Douglas in a $13 billion stock swap. It was a match made in hell. Boeing was known for quality. McDonald was known for financial engineering with a focus on cost cutting and the company's share price. Although the Boeing name survived, it was McDonnell Douglas's attitude that prevailed. McDonald CEO Harry uh, Stonecipher, who took over the day-to-day operations at Boeing, immediately took a carving knife to Boeing's highly paid engineering staff. In May uh, 2001, Boeing management made a physical break with its engineers. Manufacturing headquarters stayed in Seattle while corporate moved to downtown Chicago, 1,700 miles away. That split symbolized the growing distance between the builders and the bosses. To say the company's engineers were disenfranchised doesn't describe it. Boeing's entire culture was erased. 
CEO Stone Cipher even bragged about what he had destroyed. Quote, when people say I changed the culture of Boeing, that was the intent. So that's like a, a business. It's run like a business rather than a great engineering firm. I don't know if you know this, but making airplanes fly really requires a great engineering firm, but maybe that's just me. Today, both Boeing CFO Brian West and CEO David Calhoun are, formal, are formerly senior GE finance people, and they've done to Boeing what they did to, D, uh, to GE, destroy the balance sheet. From 2010 to 2019, Boeing spent $44 billion on buying back its own shares while adding $50 billion in debt. This reduced the share count by 23% and sent the stock price up 200. But the underlying business? Bean counters cannot build airplanes. Boeing's planes began falling out of the sky. As a result, free cash flow plunged to negative 4.3 billion annually by 2019. Today's bankruptcy of Boeing grows more certain. Cumulative net income over the last three years is negative $20 billion, and the company has $52 billion now in total debt. Interest expense is currently $2.5 billion a year, but that's going to move much higher as Boeing's debt will be downgraded to junk. But never fear. Investors have nothing to worry about with one of America's greatest and most important companies spiraling towards bankruptcy. Stephanie Pope is the chief operating officer of Boeing. She holds a bachelor's degree in accounting from Southwest Missouri State University and an MBA from another intellectual powerhouse, Lindenwood University. She also has zero engineering background. Now, why would someone with this kind of background be placed in charge of operations in the world's leading aerospace engineering firm? Well, maybe it's because she is the executive sponsor of Boeing's Women Inspiring Leadership, a group dedicated to increasing gender diversity awareness. Boeing's planes keep falling apart. These outcomes are the results of years and years of bad ideas, starting with the intentional destruction of Boeing's engineering culture, followed by the GE-style financial engineering, and now the company's full embrace of modern Marxism ESG. Like we predicted a year ago, Boeing is going to collapse. When the debt gets downgraded, the stock will drop by more than 50% to below $100, and that's just what we warned about GE and GM. (sighs) Boeing is a wonderful metaphor for our entire society. When, now listen carefully, boys and girls, when we promote people because of their political views or their race or their sex, even if that sex is completely made up, instead of what they know and who they are, the content of their character, we will continue to have planes fall out of the sky. Whatever company is involved in all of this stuff, their, quote, planes, whatever it is they build, will fall out of the sky. Until our government gets away from this craziness, 
America's republic will fall out of the sky. Let me just give you a couple of things. First of all, do you think that's a good idea? The NIH has spent millions on equity, LGBT issues, instead of researching cures. How do you think that's going to work out for us? DEI, the boondoggle, cost us millions. And yet, in all of these Without all of these universities, all of these company, uh, countries, uh, sorry, companies that are embracing DEI, University of Michigan is paying probably a total of about $80 million a year for their 142 employees to promote DEI and all the programs. Okay? So how's it working out? $85 million was spent on DEI at that one University. Black students' experience on campus hasn't improved. Hispanic and Asian enrollments increased, but black enrollment dropped slightly from 4.3 to 3.9. With percentage of students who were satisfied with the overall campus climate, it decreased 72% to 61%. Your education plane is about to fall out of the sky. How about energy? Let's all go EV. And in fact, let's have a government that thinks they know better, thinks that they are God. And so they're going to reduce the oil that we can pump, starve us for anything that we know historically works, to give us a bunch of crap that doesn't work, that we still have to have the energy to propel. We still have to make electricity so the car can plug in. Where's that coming from, gang? Oh, don't worry about it. These cars are so great. Really? Did you hear? I think it's Hertz is getting rid of all of their EVs. They're turning in their entire fleet. And that's happening over and over and over again. Meanwhile, hey, let's be more like Europe. Let's be more enlightened like France. France is dropping its renewable targets to fully embrace nuclear energy. Why? So they have energy sovereignty. Sovereignty? How dare France separate itself from the collective? And meanwhile, on MSNBC, Chris Matthews on Wednesday claimed that, and I'm quoting, rural Americans are essentially members of a cult who will vote in, quote, their craziness if Democrats don't show up at the polls. Our craziness. Our craziness. I've had enough. I've really had enough. What is our craziness, Chris, that we want to vote in? For instance, uh, how about... The president actually has to go to Congress to ask if, hey, can we get into another war? That's that's not Republican craziness. That currently is Democratic craziness as we are now backing into a war in the Middle East. Another one. Is that crazy to ask? Is it our love for history and heritage that's so crazy? The mission statement in our Declaration of Independence that all men are created equal? That we don't believe that to be 
anti-racist, you must indeed be racist to do the opposite of what Martin Luther King preached? No, I don't think that's crazy. I think that's settled science. Are we crazy for demanding that our border be shut down until we can get control? Do, is it crazy to say 10 million new people have come across our border? We don't know who they are. They're, we're building shanty towns. Our kids are being kicked out of their own schools so we can put illegals in a nice home because we're out of hotels. Is that crazy? Is that crazy? We don't even know who's in our country, Chris. Mark my words, the, the intelligence offices in the United States have just come out with a warning. They said that Hezbollah, Hamas, they have a, probably some operatives here in the United States. Oh, do you think so? So does every country that hates us. They're lining up at the border and we let them through. And boy, it's really crazy to ask why the Biden administration said, oh, if they're from China, pretty much just let them through. Did we learn nothing from 9-11 or did I just dream that up in a crazy fever dream, Chris? Is it crazy to insist the Constitution be followed and the Bill of Rights? That maybe we don't have secret courts, maybe we're not spied on, that our CIA and other intelligence agencies don't conduct cognitive operations, quote unquote, on our fellow citizens? Is it crazy to say we need to be energy energy independent at a time when oil tankers are being hijacked by Iran? When whole fleets of electric cars are being sold and the old combustion engine is back? Because the tech isn't there. Is it too much to ask in a country like ours to allow the citizens of the country, a republic, to make their own decisions on what they buy, what they eat, what medicine they inject in their own bodies? Is it really all that crazy to demand that the government rein in spending when we're at $34 trillion in debt and our deficit just our deficit in December alone, was 50% higher than they said it would be. Is it really crazy to question authority when that authority has lied to you about serious issues, too too many to even, even count? Corruption at the highest levels, laptop Russia, Clinton servers, January 6th, Ray Epps, ESG, collusion with big tech, to silence and censor those that do question, is it really? Is that really crazy, Chris? Because to me, it doesn't sound all that crazy. How about some accountability? It's so crazy to ask for some answers on what happened in Afghanistan. Losing at least a billion dollars now, just reported, of our hard-earned money in Ukraine. And dare I say the lab leak? Our role in that, as well as all the lies from the government and the companies like Pfizer and Fauci. It isn't crazy for those of us who actually believe in the Constitution. For those of us who actually believe in the 
Declaration of Independence and the Bill of Rights and the rule of law not to be dismissed, demonized, called traitors, insurrectionists, or crazy. And Chris, until you and your elitist leftist friends who despise half the country, the half that actually works hard, plays by the rule, pays their taxes, fight and dies in our country's war, stop acting like all of your new ideas like a hundred plus genders teaching of history that destroys the actual truth until you abandon your elitist attitude that we're all rubes and only you know better. Well, I guess we'll continue to be crazy in your eyes, but in ours, it is your indeed clinical mental illness that is the real danger to freedom, democracy, or dare I say it, the republic. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program, and we really want to thank you for listening. I've said to you for a while, 2024 is going to be a year that makes or breaks us. 2024, maybe it goes on to 2025, but it's going to happen. It's going to happen fast when it does. Uh, Davos is meeting next week. We have a couple of people on the ground in Davos that will be giving us updates of what's going on. But their theme this year is restoring trust because it seems like nobody trusts us because of these crazy people who tell all this misinformation. So their number one threat they see in 2024 is mis- and disinformation. So I'm going to give you some stuff that was heart-stopping for somebody who believes in free speech. In fact, it was so uh, shocking to me, I sent it to my whole family and said, and so it begins. Same with the economy. And we were talking about these... um, uh, national, natural or national asset, natural, natural, natural asset, asset uh, companies. And they, these companies uh, that will control the land. Uh, and I, I, I can't explain to you or, or express to you enough uh, concern over this uh, to wake people up. But if you are awake, you must uh, get online and write the SEC. They have a, a time where you can publicly comment. It has to be overwhelmingly, no, don't do this. And you have to get Congress and your senators involved in this right away. They'll be doing it uh, later this month, or it is still... Soon. Yeah. We have we have like six more days. Six more so days. What I've done is I have retweeted to the top of my Twitter feed my comments that I sent to the SEC, and I invite everyone, you can borrow as little or the entire thing, and it shows you who to send it to. It tells you the subject line, because you have to have the file number in the subject line, mm-hmm. or they just won't read it, and you can just you know, go ahead and uh, and copy that. I'm going to retreat. I'm retweeting your tweet Perfect. Uh, right now. So you can go Carol Roth or Glenn Beck, just find us on X and, uh, yeah. and uh, get the information, copy and paste. Yeah. Glenn, let me just read to you two things that show you how insane and evil this is from the chairman of this IEG that created the company. 
Um, and by the way, as I said before, creating a company structure is absolutely difficult, unusual, and a red flag in and of itself. But if that wasn't a big enough red flag, they have created their own system of accounting, which is not just a red flag, it is a neon sign. Uh, the CEO said, quote, we, we created a new accounting system, which we call statements of ecological performance, which account for the flow of ecosystem services in financial terms. What does that mean? That means absolutely nothing other than they are trying to scam the system, which, by the way, the climate cultists and social justice warriors, this is entirely what they're setting out to do. They're setting out to end around the legal system. The CEO said, reportedly said, quote, we are looking for a private sector approach that wasn't dependent on policy. It wasn't dependent on traditional taxes. It wasn't dependent on regulation or philanthropy to price in these assets and give investors the opportunity to invest directly in nature, whether that's for climate or biodiversity. Okay, so now so they're telling you the plan right there. So let me just let me just emphasize this. This is a company that cannot make any money. It won't make any money. Why would you invest in that? Well, if you're Apple or Google and you're running all kinds of server farms and that has a big CO2 footprint, what do you do? You offset. So you buy Yellowstone National Park and you close it down for manage it. Just return it to nature. There, I've done my part. That's that's the insidiousness of this. They'll keep on polluting, but they'll shut everything else that's not necessarily like cows, farms, you, your town, They'll shut everything down so you can't pollute because they need to offset their carbon footprint. Am well, I right? About middle, what about Middle Eastern sovereign wealth funds, places that depend on oil getting involved in lands where there's drilling <sighs> to say, oh, well, we'll just stop the U.S. from drilling. They're our biggest competitors. You know, then, then we'll be cornering the market even more and be able to send the price of oil through the roof. It's this insane. is so incredibly dangerous, which is why... You know, we already had, I think it's 25 or 26 attorney generals from various states join with Utah and Kansas to oppose this. Uh, but we need more voices. There are people who have been writing and you know, saying that they have been using their voice. We need to make a big deal about this or it's going to be too late. Six once days. They this motion. Six Just days. Six days. Six days. OK, yeah. um, let me switch to the other thing that King Biden has decided through the Labor Department. When Gavin Newsom put through that you the gig economy was over in California, everyone, Republicans, Democrats, everyone, since it's been implemented, has said, this is a disaster. Explain what it is. So this came out of uh, the, inc the bad incubator for all ideas in the United States, which is California. It was called AB5 there. And unfortunately, people laughed when we first talked about it and said, oh, people in California get what they vote for. And I said, not don't say that because it's coming to America. And what they decided to do was go after small businesses, the gig economy and economic freedom to say, we don't want people to be able to work independently. 
we want to force them to be employees. For people who are so concerned about choice, they do not seem to care if you have a choice of labor. So imagine, Glenn, I come to you and say, listen, I'm busy with all these other things, but I, I want to, you know, write for the blaze. Let's just enter into a contractor relationship. You don't have to take me on as a, an employee and I, I will write for the blaze. And you say, great. And the government goes, I'm sorry, guys. You know, we can't do that. They are getting in the middle of that. And maybe you say, well, you know, the Blaze is a big organization. So, you know, what does it matter? But this impacts makes a huge tens difference. of millions of small businesses oh, yeah. and almost 60 million gig workers. By the way, the greater majority of them want to be independent. They value their flexibility. They they value the, the ability to set work on their own terms. And the government wants to come in, not again through legislation, but through a rule, through the executive branch and say, I'm sorry that you want to work that way. You cannot work. Uh, they want to take away your ability to set the terms of how you work. Just so you know, that pretty much ends DoorDash. It ends uh, Uber because the people have to be paid by Uber and then their insurance is paid wow. for. I doubt they could even use their own car. How many people have you gotten into their car in an Uber and they'll say, I just love this. I you know, I do it. I make extra money. I set my own hours. I drive when I want. I, you know, I don't drive. It's fantastic. All of that would be gone. You would have but, to become an employee. Well, you know what's going to happen, like they did in California. The big companies will band together and get an exception. But who yes. won't be able to do that? are the small businesses that depend on the gig economy, the movie sets that, that have a caterer, the hairdresser who rents a chair at a salon, the business who hires somebody to do some editorial content a couple times a year, those are the businesses that are going to get hurt. So this is, again, a total focus on centralizing the economy in the hands of big unions, big company, big labor, and they want to kill small businesses and freedom that don't toe the line. They don't want you to be able to do what you want to do and work the way you want to do. They want to control every aspect of it. And what it's going to do is kill the number of jobs and opportunities. We should be growing this country. We have a massive deficit. The way out is through growing revenues and through freedom and expanding our revenue base. And all they do is continue to put up barriers to us being able to work and live freely. And you know what? It's not just economic barriers. It's the DEI crap and all that. I did a monologue at the beginning of the show about Boeing. You want to yeah. know why Boeing, their planes are falling out of the sky. They're going to go bankrupt. Boeing, Boeing, one of the greatest aircraft companies of all time. They're going to go out of business. Why? Because they've embraced DEI and diversity and they've, they've uh, looked at everything as just make money, accounting, not engineering. They have violated all of the well-known principles of how to run an aircraft company. And that's what we're doing to everything. That's what we're doing to the country. We're violating all of these very well-established principles for new ideas. I got a new idea on how to account. I have, I have a new idea about uh, inflation. We can spend as much as we want. It doesn't matter because I say it doesn't matter. That's bullcrap. Universal principles do not change. And we're starting to see the effects of it. And when it starts to crumble, 
It's going to crumble quickly. You lose Boeing? Well, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Will the government step in and pick it up? I guarantee you there'll be shouts for that. Well, this is so important strategically that maybe the United States government. We are going to be the country that builds the zill again. There is a reason why Russia, everything they built was crap. And we are quickly following in those footsteps. Carol, thank you. Thanks, Glenn. I appreciate it. Uh, Okay. Please. Do yourself a favor. <laughs> Everything is connected. Everything is connected. These are not just random mistakes. They're not just, oh, wow, that policy didn't really work. I think they're all designed to not work. They're all designed to change us fundamentally, to destroy what we have. You'll be poor, you'll own nothing, and you'll like it. No, I don't want that. That's, that's my choice, not your choice. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. I'll tell you, he better not question my intelligence. I'll tell you that right now. Thomas Massey is with us, who is just on CNN, questioning the intelligence of some of the, the anchors there. I don't <laughs> know how you could possibly do that, Thomas Massey. Well, I just question their preparedness. Now, I never questioned that about you or your staff. (laughs) And we're the ones you should, really. (laughs) Really. No, she claimed, she she referenced 19 different things I had voted on and claimed she had spent a whopping two minutes studying one of them, and it made her an expert. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, we want to talk to you about what's happening uh, overseas with the Houthis. Uh, I am... I'm really torn on this because I feel as though we are backing into yet another war. I also think there are people in this administration that want war. I also know that this administration continues to send money over to Iran. So, uh, you know, our our literal enemy in this, we're helping fund. So this isn't serious on anybody's part. However, yeah, this- we, however, they are shooting at us, launching missiles at our Navy, and aren't we defending ourselves? How should we so, look at this? Well, first of all, you should look at it as this is election season. And uh, when you're at war, you know, there's a greater tendency to vote for the commander-in-chief who's, who's waging the war. And I am worried that he's going to draw us into a war with this. Now, I believe that he has an obligation to come to Congress, and I think he had time to do it if he had time to organize an international coalition, or at least with Great Britain, to pull this off. He had time to come to us. And, the, you know, the War Powers Act uh, requires him to do that. It, it allows him to respond defensively in the case of emergency, but that would be like an imminent attack. It wouldn't be something where you plan uh you know, some kind of retaliation for things that have gone on for months. So, so the war, can we talk about the war powers act here for a second? Because I believe the war powers act is correct in a world where we have missiles. If somebody's launching a missile, the president does not have time to go to Congress and say, Hey, I want to make my case here that in 12 minutes, we're all going to be vaporized. However, like you said, it's been 90 days, 90 plus days since this happened. We've watched it happen. They've been 
they've been fighting and shooting against us, et cetera, et cetera. The, the president has a responsibility to go in front of the American people and Congress and make his case. And Congress needs to decide. Correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. You are absolutely correct. We have abdicated, though, our authority. We've, we've been involved in Yemen. Here's what I don't see reported in the news. Since about 2015. And in 2018, I teamed up with Rokana mm-hmm. and tried to get a war powers resolution passed. Yep. To, to get us back out of Yemen. This was in 2018. Paul Ryan did a parliamentary trick. He hid the vote on our war powers resolution in the farm bill. And then, so people voted for the farm bill and put our war powers resolution to bed. So we tried again, and he hid it in the Manage Our Wolves Act. If you voted for the Manage Our Wolves Act to come to the floor of the House, you voted against the Rokana Thomas Massey War Powers Resolution, according to the War Powers Act, to get us out of Yemen. Think of this. But, Our Congress yeah. is voting on management of wolves, but <laughs> not whether or not we go to war. Correct. And then, so uh, a year later, we were able to get it to the floor. We passed it in the House. We followed, you know, I, I don't even agree completely with the War Powers Act that was passed in the 1970s, especially not the interpretation that people have of it. But we were able to get a resolution passed to get us out of Yemen in 2019. And then it went from the House to the Senate, and they passed it with 53 votes. But Donald Trump vetoed it. Now, it was, you know, it's within his authority to veto it. But that demonstrated to me how ridiculous the, the War Powers Act is, because it, effectively it takes, it takes two-thirds of us to override a president's veto. So what it means is the War Powers Act, if you believe in it, with 33% of Congress, the president can go to war because they, it takes two-thirds to stop him. It's ridiculous. Mm. Mm. So what are you, what are you hearing uh, up on the Hill about all of this? Where are we headed, Thomas? Um, I mean, I am, I am worried that we're going to be expanding conflicts in the Middle East, that this is, uh, it, there's some people up here that are just begging for a war with Iran. And um, whether it's an ex- something that grows out of Gaza or whether it's something that grows out of Yemen. Uh, and I think we need to take a step back and look at this and say, does it, is that in the best interest of our country to have a full-blown war with Iran? And I'm worried that this president would like to have it, have something hot going on before the election or during the election. Well, the national intelligence agencies came out today and warned that uh, the uh, that Hezbollah has assets here in America and that they're concerned that this uh, could mean a, uh, a direct strike here in the homeland, which I don't think would play well for all of those who had an open border. I mean, this is the, the big exposure we have at the open border. Not, not only are we going to economically destroy our country by bringing so many illegal immigrants into the country so quickly, it's so porous that you know, uh, Hezbollah can walk across the border and no doubt they are here. They could activate. I mean, the, the what was it? 15 of the 19 hijackers were actually from Saudi Arabia and we're here legally for the most part, I mm-hmm. think. But uh, now we're looking at a different threat and it only takes 19 to 
you know, do something very bad in this country, as we saw on 9-11. Nikki Haley, um, during the last debate, basically called you an anti-Semite. Why do you hate the Jews so much? Oh, my gosh. As, as Ron DeSantis says, that's cheap garbage. And as I tweeted, I'm living rent-free in her head. And trust me, there's lots of empty space in here. Uh, <laughs> she had her understanding of the bills that I've been voting on is one inch deep. Whereas, you know, Ron DeSantis, even though he and I disagree on this issue, he understands where I'm coming from. And he's, he's not astroturf like Nikki Haley is. This is why she stopped taking questions at town halls. If you go more than one question deep, she doesn't know what she's talking about. But um, she was attacking me on votes. For instance, I didn't vote for the $14 billion uh, financial package to Israel. Now, we can have a discussion about that, whether we should we can afford that, whether we should be doing that or not. But she claims that I'm anti-Semitic or anti-Israel because I'm not voting for foreign aid. But here's the thing. I've never voted for foreign aid to any country. I'm not picking on any country. And then there were some resolutions where we can have legitimate disagreements about whether it infringes on free speech. And then um, there were there was a vote that I took that against a resolution that says anti-Zionism is anti-Semitism. Now, it's true that a lot of anti-Semites are against Israel just by definition. But it but it's not true that if you have harsh criticism of Israel or even if you don't believe in Zionism, that you are also an anti-Semite. Well, because if I mean, that were true, there'd be a lot of Jews who are anti-Semite. I know. I was going to say, a lot of the uh, Hasidic Jews here in America despise Israel, say it's a, an abomination of a state because it's not a religious state. So are they anti-Semites too? No. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, I don't, I don't think, think so. I don't think Gerald Nadler's anti-Semite. He's Jewish. <laughs> he spoke against that resolution on the floor. Okay. You know, the sad thing is we've had 19 votes like that since our new speaker became speaker. And what we should be focusing on is our own spending bills and cutting spending. Instead, we passed these resolutions, which are frankly political gotchas. The, the Republicans are trying to use that issue to catch the Democrats up in votes and then use it to get them unelected. And I'm, I just don't have an appetite for that when we should be focused on our fiscal issues. The, right now in the House, we are about to throw away all the spending caps that were put in place this summer. You, I was on your show talking about this, taking heat from you. Because <laughs> I said, oh, I remember when I was young and naive. Yes. Yes. You said, I think, and I said, you know, maybe I'm getting fooled here. <laughs> Glenn, they're signing it into law. They did. The White House and the Senate put mm. those caps into law. Yeah. And now they are undoing the law this is i mean we've never got that far it's kind of loose lucy and the football i mean my foot contacted the football i've never got to that point the problem is they had somebody <laughs> illegally blocking or something yeah they they are about to the, what happened is the senate and the white house had buyer's remorse and the military hawks here and the appropriators on the republican side are forcing mike johnson through, I'll call it violence, you know, parliamentary violence, they're, they're just like, well, you know, we'll, we'll cause the government to shut down and you'll be blamed for it, Mike, if you Good. don't undo the deal from this summer. Good. You know, honestly, it. Thomas, you know and I know 
This government is dismantling America. It would be better off with the government shut down for a while to be able to put it back on a leash by cutting all of this spending. I mean, good, good, and shut I, it down. I agree with you, but there's, there's another option that they agreed to this summer, which is if they would do what Jim Jordan and Warren Davidson and I prescribed and they agreed to, which is a long-term CR, it would, there would never be a threat of a shutdown, but there would be a 1% cut on April 30th to every department in the United States of America's government. And I, there wouldn't be the chance of a shutdown, but that would motivate, I think, people to come to the table and get policies like securing the border. It, without a shutdown, here's what happens when you have a shutdown. We got, and you know this as well as I, there's at least a dozen members here in the GOP conference who will cross the aisle and, and sign something with the Democrats to you know, stiff us on this. It's, it's deplorable, but they'll do it. And some of them have already announced their retirement, so they don't care. So bad. So bad. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thomas Massey, as always, you go ahead. keep taking them on. Thanks. Thank you, brother. Bye. You bet. Bye.